We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I am your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Your to-do list is a hungry monster that is never satisfied. For the last year and a half, I've helped principals get awards, get promoted, and find the time to do the work that really matters. I recently opened a new mastermind slot. Schedule a call with me and let's overcome the stressed and isolated principal position together. Go to the show notes for this episode at transformativeprincipal.org and click schedule a call with Jethro. This episode is brought to you by John Cat Educational, a leading independent publisher with six decades of experience supporting teachers and school leaders. Learn about research-based, easy-to-use professional development books, for your entire faculty by visiting us.johncatbookshop.com. This podcast is one of the podcasts that I recorded at FETC earlier this year. If you would like to have me come out and speak at your conference or at your district, please go to jethrojones.com and you can connect with me there. Thanks so much. Enjoy this interview. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am very excited today to have Mark Gura and Victor Rivero from EdTech Digest on the program. Mark and Victor, welcome. Let's, Mark, start with you. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself so that people can know who you are and start training their ears to know what your voice is compared to Victor's. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Could be a long story because I'm a little bit older, but... uh, All right. I've been in the field of education really for... 40 years and a tad more. Mm-hmm. So I was a teacher for 18 years. All of this is in New York City, by the way. And um, then I, I moved on from that to being a, a, a curriculum and, and professional development specialist for the central department. Eventually, I was promoted to really establish the first citywide uh, effort Huge effort in New York City, uh, 1,100 schools. So I was the director of educational technology from the instructional side. Oh, good. I hate to interrupt, but that is so important that it's combined with the instructional side 
And so many times we think that ed tech is a IT department issue, but really it's about instruction. So I appreciate that right from the get-go. Well, New York City being humongous, right? Um, they could afford to have someone in charge of both ends. So right. I didn't have to <laughs> deal with the hardware and, and connectivity or any of that. I was basically there to guide a huge school system, 80,000 teachers, in how to use it effectively and meaningfully. And since then, I've retired, and in my non-retirement, I teach graduate courses in ed tech leadership for a couple of universities online. Uh, I do a bunch of stuff for ISTE, and I work with Victor at EdTech Digest. Okay, great. So, uh, Victor, go ahead and tell us about you and, and about EdTech Digest. Sure. I'm Victor Rivero, and founder and editor-in-chief of the publication, EdTech Digest. And uh, my voice is... A little bit different from Mark's. EdTech Digest uh, has been around since about 2010, so it's going on 10 years, which is a nice anniversary. And to coincide with the 40th anniversary of FETC, but uh, we're a leading source of cool tools, in-depth interviews with hopefully fascinating people and trends that are in the education uh, and technology. It's all with a technology slant to it, so... Um, and because we feel that technology is some part of the future of education, that's why we incorporate that. But uh, I think these days, uh, the technology, I think we've discussed this before, is getting a little bit more invisible. And when, it, when that happens, I think that that's a good thing because it's becoming a little bit more uh, natural to the way things work, mm-hmm. would you say? Yeah, um, we ran an article a couple of years back after the ISTE conference, mm-hmm. and the theme of it was that uh, education, educational technology has grown up, and it's become education. Yeah, that's right. I, I agree with that sentiment as well, and my, my challenge as a school leader and as an educator is that too often we think that the technology is a means to an end and we really need to look at it the other way like you're saying that the technology is really what education is now instead of saying you know we're doing the same exact stuff on technology that's all that just means you're using technology that's not a big deal but when you allow the technology to be the way you do education then it changes your perspective and allows you to do some things that are a little bit different you know what's really telling is Lately, the past couple of years, you show up at these conferences, ISTE and FETC, and you see wonderful resources and practices being highlighted that are not technology. They're just straight-up education. I love that. Yeah, I do too. So I was in a district that was a brand-new district created in Utah called Canyons District um, in 2009, and I went over there to be in charge of the libraries for uh, 42 schools. And that was a great experience. Loved working for that district. But very quickly, I I saw that we needed to be more integrated. We were under the IT department when we really should have been under the curriculum department. And they have since made that shift over to the curriculum department. And, and that's a much better place for it because what you want is good pedagogy, regardless of what technology you may or may not be using. And when that's the primary goal, then it makes everything else 
so much easier. And it's easier to adopt a tool that's going to improve your pedagogy than it is to adopt a tool because you're adopting a new tool, right? And if you have that correct mindset, then then it makes adopting the tool much more valuable. Amen. Yeah. Agreed. Excellent. All right. We're all on the same page. That's wonderful. <laughs> so one of the things that we were talking about yesterday uh, was this idea of how to get kids to enroll in learning what we're trying to get them to learn and how uh, if there, so there are so many kids that are apathetic out there or don't care about the future or seem to not care about the future, even though we all know that they do care about their future. Everybody wants to be happy and successful. What are some of the ways that education needs to change today and where do you see it going in the future? Well, it's really a shift in mindset. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what's, what strikes me is that traditional education and even a bunch of progressive education kind of has it backwards. So what I see constantly is wonderful standards, great curriculum, good pedagogy to bring those kids to that standards. And then, you know, it plays out in the classroom like, what happened? You know, I I put this gold in front of these kids and, you know, they're bored and they're not engaged. And now... Let's go to some magazine and read one of their articles on how to engage kids. But that's really a dumb way of looking at it. And uh, so ultimately, one of the things that education has to do is it has to see engagement as the context. And so kind of reverse this whole idea. Engage the kids first in a theme And uh, educators can ferret out themes of value that kids will be totally engaged in if they're given choice. You know, so if you're doing life science, let them choose, you know, a subset niche. You know, if you're studying the animal kingdom, uh, you pick the animal or the, the biosphere or whatever that interests you. And then the teacher follow up with the learning connection. We need to. In my mind, that's the greatest shift that has to happen. Yeah, I I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think uh, one of the themes that we try to do with EdTech Digest is uh, to show examples of students in control of the technology and not technology in control of the students. And I think uh, when that sort of uh, mindset is appreciated, then as we move into the future, um, the more we can support those sorts of examples, those sorts of uh, practices in education, then I think that you're going to have a lot more success that way. Yeah. Well, all the, all of the consulting work that I do is focused on students driving their own learning. And so that idea of, you know, doing something to try to engage a kid is, is like you said, really backwards. And what we, what we should be striving for is that we, before we even talk about standards or curriculum or anything like that, we need to find a way to get them to care about what it is that they need to be learning. And and the only people who really care about standards are the teachers. Parents don't care. Kids don't care. That's something that we have this accountability piece through state testing or expectations or whatever, where we as teachers feel like we need to teach them certain standards. And the kids are like, I don't care. Kids love learning. 
and but they hate learning in school because learning in school has it backwards, like you were saying. And so what I try to do is I help schools and districts move forward on that path of getting the kids to start with being engaged with the idea, which I call enrollment, getting enrolled in that idea, and then learning through that. And then the teacher's job becomes to walk behind them and attach standards to what they're doing so they can say, yes, this kid has learned these things. And so one of the great examples of that is our school uh, did this thing called Synergy, where kids got to choose what they wanted to do. And the question, the prompt was, what can you do to make the world a better place? And so these, uh, this group of girls got together and they said, you know, we want to teach kids how to do uh, these different athletic things, soccer, cheer, and volleyball. And so they took, they got a plan. They figured out how to do everything to bring kids over from the elementary school next door. And here's the thing. If we would have said, you're the way we typically do education, the standard is teach kids how to do these three sports. And the expectation is to bring kids over from another school. These girls would not have done as good a job with that kind of direction as they did with the opposite way. Once they were engaged, we didn't have to hassle them to be on task. We didn't have to hassle them to do what they needed to do. They figured out what the problems were. They figured out what the obstacles were and they overcame them. And those kinds of situations are what make it really powerful. I love that story because it's a real world story of taking this by a small body of concept and, and um, implementing it with real kids in a real school. But uh, one thing I want to say hearing this is that in order to assure the teacher and the student in particular a satisfying, successful experience, the teacher really needs to be monitoring and guiding this. This is not a kid. We're putting kids in control, but not in exclusive control. And there's a little learning curve for teachers to accomplish in doing that. But I love hearing stories of how this actually plays out successfully in schools. Yeah. So Tom Murray in one of his sessions said the other day that you need to have voice and choice, but it can't be completely free voice and choice because then you lose your vision and you lose your way and kids just go whatever way, whatever way they want to. Now, ideally, holistically, I think that's the right path that that's how we all learn as adults. And if if kids could do that, I think that would be great. But at the same time, we don't have the expertise. Teachers aren't there yet. Principals aren't there yet. Superintendents, school boards, nobody's there yet. So what are the things that we need to, to teach teachers and administrators to get them to start making that mindset shift that you're talking about? Well, the greatest thing to do is do it. (laughs) Jump in because it, while there is a learning curve, it's not a really forbidding one. It's, this is not really hard to do. You, you know, I mentioned that I was a public school teacher. Really. I started out as a middle school visual art teacher, which can be a tough thing to do. And I actually taught in East Harlem. Uh, and then some kind of, uh, how would I put it, inner city schools. And there were issues there. And and so what worked for me was actually enjoying the kids and enjoying yeah. their their company. And as soon as they sensed that, they were a lot more cooperative. 
But, you know, there were, of course, there were all of these discussions about discipline. And in my first two or three years as a teacher, you know, I experienced a lot of discipline problems. And then it, eventually I learned that the way past all of that, the discipline problems and the lack of pro, productivity and satisfaction, as soon as I started doing a little work on my planning and, and my conceptual base and the value proposition I put to my students, which was your reward is to do my lesson. They got it. And, and you know what? That really works out and works out well. If, if you, you know, if you honor these kids and offer them something that, you know, kids are going to enjoy doing. And by that, I don't mean listening to hip hop and eating pizza. I mean, you know, this can be challenging stuff, but if they sense it, that they can do it, that they're going to grow by doing it, you know, that there's something in it for them other than pleasing the teacher, they, they rise to that challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they absolutely do rise to the challenge. And often, especially with these girls and many other kids at my school, they exceeded our expectations. What do you have to add? Victor? Oh, well, I was just, uh, I was just remembering we had chatted a little bit yesterday at the conference uh, here at, in Miami. And uh, I was really, uh, I loved your story about Jethro, the great and wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And I thought it really related to what Mark was saying. Um, I, it just cracks me up. I can't, can't get enough of that kind of, yeah. that kind of story there. I don't know if you told it to your, uh, your audience before, maybe you have, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know that I have, to be honest. So I, I will tell it here briefly for them, and then we can talk a little bit about that. So I was a punk in high school and struggled mightily and had a lot of challenges and ended up moving out of my parents' house when I was 16 because I was going down this really bad path. But before that, uh, before I moved out, I had an assistant principal who uh, I spent a lot of time with because I made a lot of bad choices. And she, I knew she cared about me. And I didn't really know how much until I, being a disrespectful punk, started calling her by her first name, which was Edie. And she said, you have to call me by my title, which is Dr. whatever her name was. And I somehow refused to remember what her real name is. But, <laughs> but she, uh, she said, you have to call me that. And I, you know, she's standing on ceremony and tradition and all that kind of stuff. And I said, well, I will call you that if you say to me every time you see me, good morning, Jethro, the great and wonderful. And she, because she had no ego and she wasn't in this business for her, she was in it for the kids. She made that accommodation for me and met me where I was at because she needed me to buy into what she was doing. And if we can take that approach as teachers and leaders and educators, that we are going to do what we have to do to meet the kids where they're at and support them, it's going to help tremendously. And that's what she did. Now, that doesn't mean that I changed my behavior right away, but I knew that she cared enough about me to not let calling me Jethro Great and Wonderful stand in the way of, of her connecting with me. And and she was willing to do anything that she needed to to help me be successful. And I could tell that even as a punk young kid. And and so that's that's the story. And and so let's talk a little bit about how we go above and beyond to meet the needs of our kids and what that actually looks like. So, Victor, you want to start there? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I was on the show floor yesterday with Mark, and we were touring around a bit. And uh, um, well, this isn't this isn't a classroom example, but it's a it's a FETC example, and what's happening here. 
we met this guy, and uh, I'm not going to necessarily plug companies here, but I, I will, uh, I will just say we met this guy, and he was extremely knowledgeable. Like he, he, he worked for a hardware company that did partnered with a lot of different uh, players, but his whole thing was going way above and way beyond, and being a, a resource and a, a hub of information and a, a wealth of wisdom, and and he made it. He made it his uh, mission to actually be that kind of ombudsman or whatever you want to call it for for all the different people that he was dealing with. So um, I just think that's a really good example because he wasn't just sell, sell, sell. Uh, that's one way to do it and you know try to be very attentive to the customer. But he was actually putting all that aside and just going for what what's the purpose? What what are you doing? What are you trying to accomplish? And what is it that your your objectives are? Um, really focusing on purpose way more than focusing on any sort of sub-purpose to just mm-hmm. sell some equipment to, to schools. And I just thought, wow. And he went on for quite a while about different, uh, you know, different uh, areas that he knew about. And it was, it was just really, uh, I was impressed actually. And it, you know, and you know, you can get jaded coming to these conferences and, you know, there, there are solution providers here that, that are trying to sell. Of course, uh, they want to put food on the table. They want to they have families too. Yeah. So a lot of them are former teachers. Um, but to see somebody that was uh, making themselves a resource. And I think that was a wonderful thing. And I think we do that like with the social media and with, uh, you know, just something like what we're doing right now, we're, we're becoming resources for each other because there's a lot of, uh, a lot of rich experiences like Mark, uh, former New York City Department of Education. I mean, he has a wealth of experience. Jethro, your story. I mean, those are the stories I love to share with EdTech Digest. And, uh, and, I, and I think the reason is because it's so pleasurable to hear them and then it's inspiring. And then when we're creating the future, you can that much more easily create it yourself. So talking about going beyond a little bit, giving a little more than what the generalized culture of school uh, as kind of set as an acceptable level of involvement. You know, I want to mention that, you know, I, in my 18 years as a, as a middle school teacher in inner city neighborhood, New York city, um, I went on to teach uh, for a long time, language arts, social studies, and some other things too. They had a small school movement there. And so when you're a teacher in a mini school, it's natural for you to begin to teach in different, different subject areas. And I appreciated that. It gave me a great background. Anyhow, because I started out as a visual art teacher, it was very natural for me to bring projects-based learning into everything I did. And, you know, honestly, some of the best projects I did were as a language arts teacher. But uh, the point I really want to make here is, is what's in it for the teacher. And um, when you get just a little bit of experience down and you start to experience success, you begin to, to uh, watch your students take control and take responsibility and um, monitor themselves so that they can get the work done because they love doing it when it's right. So the level of satisfaction that's there for the teacher, um, it, 
it far outweighs the fact that you're going beyond a little bit, doing just a little bit more. It's, it's a great payoff. Yeah, absolutely. John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. Visit us.johncatbookshop.com to see the latest publications, whose exciting ideas include overcoming the extrovert ideal in our schools, creating bottom-up transformation that promotes buy-in from all educators, and improving formal and informal continuous learning opportunities for teachers. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes. So another story from from that Synergy experience was these kids wanted to create a mint business where they made little mints to suck on and make your breath smoke good. And so they... Uh, developed a recipe and created a, a way to sell it and do all this stuff. And they would not be denied. And there were some, some other things that, you know, in a school, somebody making food and selling it, like that's a, that's a big deal. Right. But these kids were like, no, we're going to make this happen and we are going to do it. And nobody's going to tell us no. And, you know, a lot of times when kids run up against an obstacle, they're happy to just give up. And say, well, I'm not going to put forth the effort. But when they got to choose what the thing was they were focusing on, they were like, well, there is no obstacle here. It is, it's just something we need to work through. And so then they just kept on coming back and, you know, they, they made a recipe, they made it and then it didn't work and, (laughs) and it was gross. And so they went back to the drawing board and changed it. And like to get kids to redo work in a traditional system is not an easy thing to do. But these kids were all over it because they had that opportunity to start with them. Okay, and and so as you're uh, sharing that, I'm thinking back to the, the opening of the conversation about the purpose of technology, supporting the learning experience. And so that that's one of the thing. Um, my graduate students are all in-service teachers some of them with a bunch of years behind them who've now decided to get a master's degree and become a school technology specialist or leader. And so I'm trying to inculcate them in understanding that's why we're doing this. Um, And one of the things I point out is that for a number of progressive approaches to education, and I think uh, the one that's easiest to wrap our heads around is project-based learning, Technology is the enabler. Yes, teachers did projects with kids, did PBL before technology, but it was so hard. And uh, now thinking back, my experience as a language arts teacher, I would do publishing projects, student publishing. We'd put out books and magazines and blogs and things of that. Doing that kind of stuff before the technology was so hard. And I mean it. Not only, not only in doing the work to get the material written and illustrated, but in publishing it, distributing it to an audience, getting feedback from the audience that was actionable that we could fold into our design cycle to improve our writing. All of that was so thoroughly enabled by technology. Yeah, absolutely. And so... Being, being able to like manipulate the project and change things about it and, and all that, 
definitely, definitely does help. But it's about it's about so much more than that when it's focused on the kids choosing for themselves and being engaged from the beginning, because then the technology really does enable because when it's their choice, then the teacher doesn't have to do all the prep work to make it available. Right. And so when these kids with the minty business came and said, we don't like how this turned out. Well, I have no idea how to make a mint. So I can't help you at all. All I can do is ask questions and give you guidance and pushback to help get you in the right place. So the role of the teacher changes into something entirely different where you're a supporter, you're a questioner, you're a, you're keeping track of things. It's very different. You're a, a learning provocateur. There you go. Yeah. I like that. I like that. So the last question that I ask on all my interviews is uh, what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative leader like you? And Victor, we'll start with you and then we'll end with Mark. Read a tech digest. <laughs> Read a tech digest. Read but not only read EdTech Digest, but write for it and share. Because I think there's a lot of different ways you can collaborate. And, and one of them is just to share your point of view and mm-hmm. use EdTech Digest as a platform so that you can get the word out about some of these stories that we've been telling today and uh, share them with others so that maybe they resonate with other people. Maybe they uh, put a little bit of inspiration there. You know, it's not... It's not necessarily going to be a story that everybody resonates with, but I think, uh, I think uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, who, who does resonate with your story. And then maybe they'll reach out and they can um, then collaborate with you or they can at least just communicate by saying, hey, I was inspired by that. And I, I really liked uh, what you had to say. And uh, I found it I found it very uh, interesting to what I'm doing. So thank you for that. Um, so that's what that's what my little. Uh, yeah, that's great. So before I get to you, Mark, just a second, uh, just commenting on that real quick. In 2008, there was a pretty big presidential election when Barack Obama was elected president. And I was a classroom teacher at that time. And because of the technology that existed, we were we kept track of that in my language arts class, working with a social studies teacher to track who was doing what, where they were speaking, what was happening. And so we essentially had our whole entire group of classes, which was like 200 kids who were researching and learning about all the different people and who was running and why they thought they would win or why they thought they would lose or whatever. Kids doing analysis on the politics, which for some reason, our kids that year were interested in that. And that that didn't happen all the time. But that year they were. And so, you know, that started all the way back in January, uh, second semester for one group and first semester for the next group. But what was amazing was that we were collaborating with schools in Kansas, in Oregon, in Paris, and in Australia. And this was a global thing that we were all working on it together. And without that ability to communicate with them and do Skype calls with them and uh, use a wiki to edit everything, we, we just couldn't do it. And that collaboration, that reaching out happened because of exactly what you're saying, Victor, that we got somebody wrote something on Twitter or someplace else and shared what they were doing. And then a bunch of us jumped in and said, yes, we want to be part of that as well. And that, that is really, really powerful. So sharing what you're doing is great. Yeah. Wow. Great story, Jethro. Yeah. I think that's really wonderful. Yeah. All right, Mark, what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative leader like you? Okay. So we've been speaking about uh, what you might call a next level 
uh-huh. approach to education. And what, what I appreciate about it is that we've been speaking about it uh, as a voice of experience. Mm-hmm. We're not just being conceptual. You, you do it. You're a principal. You know, I did it in a long run at, with a, a variety of hats that I wore as an mm-hmm. educator, most the longest as teacher in inner city New York City. And um, so, you know, I would like teachers to uh, kind of ask themselves, who, who in my school, which teachers uh, who aren't uh, taking this approach yet might be, uh, might be receptive to trying some of this. And I'd like to see those principals sit down with them and figure out what do we want to do? How can we make this work? Because we're not saying this is easy, but we are saying it's very doable. And we're saying there's great satisfaction on the other side of it. So, you know, I'd like to see some discussions in the schools. And at the other end of that, some solid planning. And um, I'll leave, we'll leave uh, a contact email or something with you. And, uh, you know, I trust your audience can find their way to us and feel free to contact us with questions or whatever. You know, um, this conversation is really is the conversation that needs to be going on. Victor and I are pleased to be part of it, and we'd love to be in contact with them in a way that's actionable to help them get started. Yeah, absolutely. So edtechdigest.com, right? That's where you go to uh, learn more about EdTech Digest and connect with you too. And then uh, this is the kind of work that I do for consulting, and it's what I love. I am so passionate about it, and I just get fired up even just thinking about it. And it took me a while to figure out what it was that I get excited about in education in particular. And this is, this is the thing for me, this student driven learning. You can uh, go to my newsletter, studentdrivenlearning.net that I do in association with ASCD and get more information about it there. If you'd like to have me come out to your school, I can certainly do that and help you work through some of these problems. And then also, you know, because of the technology, we can, uh, connect virtually and get a lot of these things to make some progress on them. So uh, thank you again, Mark and Victor, for being part of Transformative Principle. Thanks and for having us. Pleasure. You are welcome. And all the links to what we talked about can be found at transformativeprinciple.org slash episode 325. Hey, this is Jethro. Thanks so much for listening to that episode of Transformative Principle. I hope that you enjoyed it, and I want to remind you, I am going out on my own. So I'm looking for uh, opportunities to help schools implement things that are related to student-driven learning. So if you'd like to work with me, please go to JethroJones.com, and you'll be able to enter your information there, and we can schedule a chat to talk and figure out how we can help move kids forward and be in control of their own learning. Thanks so much. That's JethroJones.com. Thank you to our valued partner, John Cat Educational. If you are a leader looking to make transformative change by providing yourself and your teachers with professional development that is research-based and rigorous, yet easy to digest and full of practical strategies, check out the latest publications from John Cat. Visit us.johncatbookshop.com to find information or learn more in our show notes.
Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.